0: Welcome to episode 11 of What's Going Swan, the podcast. Thanks to everyone that has listened to us so far, and thanks for being back again, and welcome to any new listeners. Today's episode is all about supporting local, very important, especially at this time. Uh, We've got our guest, Martin Blackwell, who is head of ops at the Business Improvement District, or BID, as they are more commonly known. And on the Meet the Swan section, we've got Sophie Sayer, who is a client services enthusiast and really looking forward to speaking to her. As always, I am James, manager at Indigo Swan. So, welcome.
1: And I'm Amy, head of client relationships at Indigo Swan. And as is usual, I get to start us off with a very exciting market update. Um, this time, prices have gone up. James, can you believe it?
0: I uh, know, it was unreal.
1: <laughs> so, the price of oil has continued to be quite stable, but it's now gone from $43 a barrel up to 44 And um, So, we've got OPEC Plus. Which is the OPEC com- countries, including now Saudi Arabia and Russia, they've agreed to reduce the extent of their production cuts, um, and there's a bit of growing confidence that we can return to normality globally, which will result in huh, really, <laughs> oh, I know, uh, which will result in an upturn in oil use. Um, but there is always that caveat that coronavirus cases, if there's an increase, um, will still have pressure on prices because the econ- global economy still isn't quite where it needs to be. We've still got the delight that is political and trade disputes with China. Um, <laughs> Amy, um, you
0: sounded so happy when you said that.
1: I know. Well, if it's not such like, a big side, oh, we've still got still going on. If it's not Huawei, it's going to be um, uh size well in in Suffolk. So uh, yeah, wonderful. What we're we going to do, but but there we go. It's conversations for another time, maybe. Gas wholesale prices are higher, but they are still really competitive. Um, So we're still at a level kind of 2016, 2017, but not as near the lows as we were earlier this year. We've got uh, a good number of LNGs deliveries come in in July, and we've got similar levels expected in August. It's around about six deliveries due. Uh, so this is reflective of a really positive gas position. We've got low prices giving LNG producers little incentive to sell, um, but reduced consumer demand, high levels of storage. It's kind of a bit of a mixed picture on gas, um, but it's still really positive. We've got good supply demand levels, um, so it's it's nothing to panic about just yet. Uh, Electricity prices are still at 2017 levels, Wind's contribution to the electricity generation mix is down, unfortunately, to 16%. Uh, back in February, we saw a record-breaking 29%, uh, oh. quite a significant drop there. Um, solar has also been lower on the system in the last couple of months. So we've actually had to get more expensive forms of generation onto the onto the grid, so gas and oil and imports. We haven't got any coal on the grid. Um, and there's still no contribution from coal, which is good from an emissions uh, target's perspective, because all of those stations have to close within the next four years. So by 2024, there will be literally no coal on the grid because everything will be closed. Um, so it's a good, good picture at the moment. We've got stability, but it is starting to creep upwards, as we would normally expect come the end of the summer, moving into autumn when it starts to get a bit colder. This kind of trend of slightly rising prices is, is what we want to see. So-
0: well, what would you say? What would, you, what would you say to people that obviously, you know, we've, we've been encouraging people to make decisions, things like that, whilst the market's been low. What, what would you say to people that may be worried they've, they've missed the boat? To speak? Oh, I'd,
1: I'd, I'd encourage people not to worry. Um, prices are really stable. So there is still time. I think there's other bigger issues, um, like what's happening with your own business, what's happening with non-commodity costs, what's happening with um, are we going to risk any suppliers going out of business, all of those kind of things that kind of maybe I feel a little bit more important than, than the actual wholesale element. So gas, yeah. gas and electricity wholesale element, well in electricity it's less than half of your delivered unit price. Um, and if you're kind of more worried as a business about what what you're actually going to do going forward, if you've even got a business to run, um, getting swept up in mine, the minutiae of wholesale price movement probably isn't where you should be focusing. Um If you haven't sorted your contracts for this year, there is still time. Um, Even if you haven't sorted things for the 1st of October, there is still time. It's tight, but don't be forced into doing something that you're not comfortable with um, and and just make sure that you're well-informed and maybe just kind of listen if someone has given you advice earlier in the year. Hindsight is a wonderful thing, isn't it?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Good advice, Amy. Good advice. Actually, that's
1: all right. Um, Are you ready for the weather? Always,
0: always ready for my favourite part of the show, Amy. Always ready for the weather.
1: So the Met Office forecast for the next month suggests warm weather with a risk of thunderstorms the risk of thunderstorms uh, in the market know how it's normally glorious sunshine or absolutely deluge of rain so I um, pretty mad but if we've got warmer weather it would suggest more solar contribution to the mi- to the mix um but probably only a modest wind contribution so we're going to have quite a high amount of gas on the system which should then increase costs uh, a little bit so you know, what I said just now about don't panic about doing anything. If we do have um, significant changes in in the weather, uh, it will result in prices going up. So we have to kind of take all of these things into consideration when negotiating new contracts. Um, So yeah, so still plenty of time, nothing to worry about, nothing to panic about. We're not on a massive upward trend, but things are starting to tick up. So if you haven't thought about it yet, you do need to get in touch with us or, or however you're going to do your energy procurement uh, in the coming weeks. Okay.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So on the theme of supporting local, we have the wonderful Bernard Matthews locally to us. Don't we? we do. Um, they, <laughs> Do you remember back in the day, James, when we were at school and we had turkey yeah. twizzlers?
0: I'll tell oh, you, I, know. you know, I did love a turkey twizzler, along with a lot of other wonderful... School dinner staples, which to be fair can make up a whole podcast of its own. Oh know.
1: Right? maybe we should.
0: But, uh, turkey Twizzlers, yes, winners.
1: They are back. They are, um, but a new healthier version, apparently. Uh,
0: what, what what are they? What is the definition of a new healthy version? A do you know?
1: So there's going to be two new flavors: original right. tomato and chili cheese. Um, apparently, okay. it's going to have double the amount of turkey meat than the original. So <laughs> God knows what we ate. <laughs>
0: Okay, amazing. Good. Love to know what the new percentage is.
1: So, well, here we go. The old turkey Twizzler was 34% meat and it had 137 calories, whilst the new version is 70% meat with 87 calories. So, what's the well, 30%? I'll tell
0: you what, that's that's, a, that's fair play to Bernard Matthews. I... Uh, I applaud them. That that is a that is a vast improvement. Yeah,
1: so it's supposed to be a lot healthier. Turkey is obviously a really good meat. We've got the Norfolk black turkey, native to our area as well, which is is fantastic. So it's a local bird, at least. But I kind of wanted to talk about whether we should be celebrating the return of the turkey twizzler, or whether we should actually be continuing to support um, local farmers, local farm crops. Yeah. You know, the butcher, the baker. All that kind of thing. Um, what, what should what should we be doing,
0: really? I suppose, to a certain extent, there's a place for both. Um, I, I, I think for me, and as I've said before on a previous podcast, you know, I've enjoyed the element of lockdown where it's made me support the local farm shop um, and the local butchers and things like that. Um, I think there's a bit of a misconception around local butchers and that, that how they can be potentially a little bit expensive. Whereas, actually, I certainly haven't found that at all. Um, I found it to be very affordable and obviously, you know, all the meats coming from and things like that. And, you know, these people's livelihood uh, relies on local trade. Obviously they're not, you know, like a burning Matthews where they can send their produce out across the country. uh, And in some cases across the world, you know, they are very reliant on the local trade and it can be very, you know, and it can be quite affordable if you, if you, if you do it correctly. So, you know, but at the same time, Turkey Twizzlers, I mean, there's always a place for Turkey Twizzlers. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. And there's plenty of families out there that, you know, need to have something that's a little bit quick and can get on the plate for their children. And if they're trying to make it healthier, then fair play to them. But we certainly shouldn't lose sight, in my opinion, of making sure that we continue to support the local economy. Um, as, you know, we have uh, specifically in Norfolk during during lockdown where we haven't really had much much more of a choice. It's open our eyes to what else is out there. Mm.
1: Wouldn't it be better, though, instead of going out, you know, and you, you've got to, to feed the family rather than getting turkey twizzlers? You know, wouldn't from a health and a, a local, mm. um, state food mile sustainability perspective, wouldn't getting turkey mints from the local butchers and making your own turkey burger that's probably like ninety nine percent turkey with a little bit of seasoning is not yeah. not is that not where we should be going, really?
0: I think we should, and I think and I think that's true. It's like it's a hard thing to educate people on, isn't it?
1: Mm.
0: And it's it's a hard thing to get people to do. Would you not say?
1: Absolutely. And then you've got that whole, oh, I don't have enough time to cook from scratch, which is usually where these kind of fast food items come in. And from a a school's angle, because I imagine they'll go back to schools, um, school budgets are so small when it comes to providing the right kind of nutritious meals that these options, especially if it is now 70% meat versus
0: 34%,
1: maybe that is only... uh a, a good thing yeah. we'll see. that's
0: perfect timing wasn't it it was perfect timing. i mean you know, i could have sat in talks about turkey twizzlers versus local butchers all afternoons to be honest but um yeah like i say yeah it's, it's an it's an interesting one and uh i think it's you know it's down to people to make their own decision but i would certainly encourage people to continue to try and support local trade okay. local butchers where they can and look at cooking and i think we've talked about this before on a podcast look at cooking as a really sort of good therapeutic way of of either starting or ending your day yeah. depending on when you look to do it um because there's some benefits that come from that as well and if you're buying local produce you've got more opportunities to do the cooking as well haven't you uh,
1: absolutely yeah definitely.
0: it is now time for the part of the show where we meet the swan and i'm delighted to say that we are joined by the wonderful Sophie Sayer, who is a client services enthusiast. So, Sophie, welcome to What's Going Swan. Hi. Hi. As always, (laughs) so positive. I love it. I love it. So, uh, yeah, so we're just going to go through how things have been, you know, in the last few months since we've been, you know, on lockdown and things like that, different things you may have learned. And then, uh, yeah, some very random questions, as we always do on Meet the Swan. So, uh, yeah, we'll get things started, Sophes. Firstly, I suppose anything that you've learned specifically, whether it be a skill or something about yourself, since since working from home over the last four months.
2: Um, so I've learnt how to make bread. I've never made bread Amazing. before, so I've made a loaf of bread and i tried my hand at some naan breads, which turned out amazingly for a first try. So I was well impressed with them.
0: What a legend! <laughs> did
2: you plain ones, or did you jazz them up at all? Um, so I done garlic and chilli naans.
1: Oh, oh so wow. I'll be well later. <laughs> yeah, they, they were very nice.
0: Sounds sensational. Sounds sensational. Well, oh, well done for your first attempt.
1: Aside from, aside from, you know, improving your bread skills, because I think bread making is pretty therapeutic. But is there anything else that you've been doing to look after your well being during lockdown? Um, I
2: guess kind of during the week, just trying to keep it as routinely as possible, so that it kind of seems as normal as it can be. So in the mornings before work, as weird as it sounds, I've been taking myself for a walk to work. So I've been going out, going around the block and then coming back to start work.
0: I love it. I love it. You're still still doing that as well, Sophie,
2: yeah? Oh, yeah, every day, come rain or shine, I've been out there.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. (laughs) And you you find that helps you in the morning, yeah?
2: Yeah, definitely. Because I don't think I could be able to, like, roll out of bed and roll to the desk type thing. I feel like I need that fresh air and that wake me up
0: time. Absolutely, absolutely. Are you still getting up at silly o'clock in the morning because we used to meet in the office, didn't we? So it's about seven in the morning, both of us. Yeah,
2: well, it's just natural that I wake up early, especially in the summer when it's light at whatever hour. I just naturally yeah. wake up early, so yeah, it's fine.
0: Good stuff, good stuff. So yeah, the first random question of what's going, Swan. I love these ones. Um, so would you rather have scales? or fur
2: oh it's definitely got to be scales
0: oh explain
2: so as you probably know i get hot quite a lot and the thought of being in fur just brings me out in a sweat as just thinking about it so scales (laughs) (laughs) and then if you get cold you can always put
1: extra layers on you know
0: there you go there you go i love it good sound reasoning behind that
1: yeah (laughs) Have you, have you thought about what colour your scales would be? Would they be quite a cheery, colourful person or would you kind of go for a camouflage blending type scale effect?
2: Or maybe the sort of scales that depending on which angle the light is, there'd be a different colour, you know. Or a bit of iridescent scale. Maybe, yeah, perhaps.
0: <laughs> I love we've gone into scales now. This is amazing.
2: <laughs> or maybe I could just have different colour scales for different days of the week, you know.
0: Oh, God, there you oh, go. Fancy.
2: Yeah, that would be good. Opportunities are endless.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think you might be the first person that actually has said scales. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, but I love it. I love it <laughs> and there's, you know, good sound reasoning behind it. So,
3: yeah. <laughs>
1: um, have you got two essential items that you've found you can't live without during lockdown? Uh, well, not necessarily in lockdown, but every day,
2: as we have just discussed, a fan is always top of my list keep me nice and cool. <laughs> um, what else during lockdown? Well, I guess, not necessarily for lockdown, but a thing that I've found essential right now are cardboard boxes and tape. Obviously with moving, they have been an essential part of my life right now.
0: So, so you're always on the move, aren't you?
2: <laughs> well, yeah, who likes to sit still for too long?
0: <laughs> exactly. And, and uh, are you, are you, how is the packing of boxes going? Have you started?
2: Yeah, it's getting bigger. I'm now up to uh, three layers of boxes. So, yeah, whilst trying to contain it in the lounge, so I still have a walk through to be able to actually still live in the room. But, yeah, it's fine. It's going well.
0: Good stuff. So we, we like to have a good giggle, um, which is which is great. So do, do you have a funniest memory uh, since working at ghost one?
2: Oh, it does always make me chuckle how outside the meeting room, people just randomly trip over the floor. There's nothing there. (laughs) People walking along. People who have done it will know where I mean. Right outside the meeting room, they just—it's like they just trip over an imaginary something on the floor. That always makes me chuckle. (laughs) And then they like jump around. Did anyone see that? And yes, we did see that.
0: (laughs) So that's awesome.
2: Got a Bermuda Triangle in the office of uh, trip hazards. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's great. I've got like front row seat of watching it.
0: well there you go so yeah if you ever come if you ever come to the office uh, anyone listening to this in the future be very aware of the uh, carpet as you come in the main door (laughs) because you may take a tumble and we don't don't want that do we we don't want that
2: sometimes they do sometimes they don't you know it just depends on how the floor's feeling I guess
0: (laughs) I love the suspense you must have when everyone comes in
1: <laughs> just watching there. So off off the back of that, uh, what do you love most about working at Indigo Swan? Is it watching strangers fall over? Well, yeah, that, that ranks highly on the list. Um
2: <laughs> but I guess it's just the people. Like you're just such a lovely bunch and it's coming in every day, seeing everyone, having the general chat. It's just it's just a nice place to work.
0: That's lovely safe. It's
2: your warm and lovely, doesn't it, James?
0: Uh, mate, it warms my heart. I won't lie. <laughs>
2: Have you got a warm and fuzzy feeling right now?
0: I have, I have. <laughs> but also, you know, I miss that as well. So, so you know, fingers crossed when we get back in the office for at least a few days a week come next month, then that warm, fuzzy feeling will return.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, what's uh, what would you say has been your biggest challenge since COVID nineteen started? Biggest challenge
2: is probably getting used to working from home, having yeah. not ever done it before like I wasn't sure how I was going to deal with it obviously not being around people at home I've got the setup of my workstation in the lounge as well so it's I guess separating that work from home life because obviously sitting watching tv in the evening I can then see the laptop
0: what have you done to try and adapt to that
2: um oh, I don't know really I guess it's just kind of going back to before having like that routine of time you start, start time you finish, so that it gets to half four or five and you're like, right, I'm done type thing. Yeah. Sort of try and shut off from it.
0: Good stuff. Well so if you're always very chipper, I must say, which is which is lovely to see. You always put a little smile on my face every morning with your very positive <laughs> good morning. So it's, it's it's good to see. You you've tackled the challenge extremely well, which is which is great.
1: So if you could pick up a new skill in an instant, what would it be? Oh that's a tough one. Mmm. We've already aced bread making, so, you know, you can't, can't put that on there. Oh, damn it. Can't say about making a different flavour naan,
2: you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't.
2: <laughs> I guess maybe keeping with the cooking theme, I like making cupcakes and little cakes, but always struggle with big cakes and the icing. So the amount right. of times I've made cakes and it's kind of gone out the window... But, yeah, to be able to do the nice, pretty icing, I guess would be a skill I'd like to be able to do.
0: There you go. Well, Amy, Amy, K, Amy, Kay's your person. She ah. does some big some cake cakes. Well,
1: wow. <laughs> he's that does the pretty ones, the, like the really fancy ones. But you can practice um, cake decorating on styrofoam blocks. That's oh. how they oh. teach you at cake decorating classes. Like, you know, the big old fancy wedding cakes and stuff. Yeah. yeah. They're made out of styrofoam. You put your fondant icing on the top, whatever colour you want, and then you decorate off the top of that so you don't, don't waste your cake underneath. Oh, I never would have <laughs> thought of that. So there you go. Then you can practice to your heart's content. You don't have to keep making the cakes. You can just practice, practice, practice. we uh-huh. might uh, be buying and- some styrofoam and-
0: at the <laughs> weekend then. There you go. You learn something new every day. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It was actually one of the things I wanted to suggest for a um, a swan social. There's a, a little cafe in Norwich where you can go and learn how to decorate cupcakes um, yeah. in all sorts of different patterns. Um, like they do the fancy roses. They do like the little sugar roses. They do bows and, and all sorts. So, um, so far, I'll make sure you're top of the list for that, that swan social. Yeah, I'll be up for that. Oh,
0: let's do that. Yeah, that sounds great.
1: I think you need to ask the best question now, James, because I think we might be running out of time soon.
0: Oh right, yeah, we might. So I'm gonna go yeah. skip forward to the best question. So if you, this is the only question that really matters, quite frankly, during meat this oh, one. Okay. <laughs> so what we want you to do is we want you to rank these forms of potato from the worst to the first. Okay? Okay. If you've got a pen, write them down in case you forget. But you have got baked potato, mashed potato, fries, boiled potatoes and roast potatoes. I want you to go from your worst to your first.
2: So, from listening to other podcasts, I've noticed everyone has put boiled at the bottom. Yeah, I feel like I might be bucking the trend oh, here.
0: Oh, let's go! What's, what's at the bottom? Then? <laughs> so,
2: I would put a baked potato at the oh. bottom
0: what? for the
3: simple. What? <laughs> Why
0: send? To send this now
3: <laughs>
2: for the simple. In fact, I find them – if you don't cook them all the way – if you don't cook them properly, you get hard potato, and yep. by the time you've shoved all your topping on it, you then kind of can't scrape it off and put it back in the oven.
0: Okay. okay. Oh, no, it's okay. Don't worry, So, if We started as you said, so we will finish. <laughs> so, okay, so baked um, potatoes last.
2: Yeah, so baked potato. Then I would say boiled, so that, that closely followed. Oh, thank
0: God for that. <laughs> <laughs> now now it gets interesting
2: okay then I would go roast
0: oh okay
2: that's interesting
1: um, then mash then fries
0: winner yeah. winner
1: I love that you thought that through <laughs> curious, given that some consideration. <laughs> I think fries is most people's top choice would you put anything on your fries or are you just a, a, a plain chip kind of girl yeah, just,
2: just to plain with maybe like a little dip on the side, depending on what dip I'm
0: fancying. <laughs> do, you have a, do you have a dip of choice?
2: Yeah. Well, something spicy, maybe like a chili, sweet chilli sauce or something nice. like that, or a piri piri.
0: Oh, um, yes, safes.
2: Yeah, you don't you don't want to be putting the sauce on top because the chips then go soggy.
0: Yeah, you've got a dip, haven't you? Yeah. Amazing. So we've got baked potato in last place, then boiled potato then roast potato, then mash, then fries. Yep. Amazing, Sage. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you for taking part in the best question in This one. <laughs> no worries. I love it. And, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for all your positivity. A wonderful member of the team. And, uh, yeah, love all the joy and happiness that you bring. So, yeah, thanks very much for joining us, Sage.
2: No worries. Thanks for having me.
0: So on our next uh, episode of Meet the Swan, we will be joined by another member of the client services team, uh, a wonderful resident Canadian, Jenny Gilbert. So Jenny has been in Canada for a long time, uh, 20-something years uh, from Norfolk originally, uh, moved back and joined Indigo Swan and has been a wonderful Swan ever since. So we will be joined by the wonderful Jenny in next month's episode. So it's now that time of the show where we welcome our special guest. I am delighted today to welcome Martin Blackwell, who is head of operations at the Business Improvement District in Norwich or the BID, as you may know them. Uh, Martin, hello. Hello there. How are you doing? Do you want to just sort of introduce yourself and, and what the head of operations at Business Improvement District is all about?
3: Well, uh, Head of Operations is pretty much, you know, does what it says on the tin. So we get involved in all the practical aspects. And later this morning, I will be walking around the city centre planning where our Christmas lights are going to go.
0: Amazing. Oh, that's exciting. Breaking
3: news. (laughs) <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's all those practical things like the the um, the free Wi-Fi we have in the city centre, uh, liaising with the with the business community. Uh, so colleagues of mine got involved in the Love Light Festival that we held earlier in the year. So it's all those, uh, as I say, the the operational side of things. So we work with the hosts. So today we've got a number of hosts out in the city centre, meeting and greeting people. So we we you know it's a coordination role as well as de- sort of delivering particular projects
0: that's great that's great and that leads me nicely onto my first question really which is can you tell us a little bit about what Bid have been doing you know specifically recently to to help norwich businesses get back on their feet and ideally get the high streets a bit busier again
3: well yes and whatever we do we have to do it in a way that makes the public feel confident so that's the, the starting point so the first thing we did was help with uh, physical Uh, Distancing resources. So if you come into the city centre on lots of the pavements, you'll see uh, these uh, signage on the pavement outside shops talking about social distancing and queuing measures. So we produced all those as free packs for uh, businesses uh, some of the bigger businesses had the resources to do it themselves in, in inside their premises, but we thought it would be simpler if there was one message and it all looked the same throughout the city centre. So that's something we invested in and went down very well. We then went on and did um, PPE supplies. So rather than every business going out and trying to find their own resources, we saw scoured uh, the world um, <laughs> to an extent uh, and found the best suppliers at the best prices. So we tended it on behalf of all the businesses to get the, the very best prices because this is something that nobody had budgeted for. Nice. So that was something we, we, we made available. But I think the key thing we did was we formed something called Plan Ahead Teams. And this is something I pulled together for the bid. And uh, frankly, I pinched an idea from McKinsey, the big American consultancy. They had a disaster recovery plan uh, that they put together for businesses. And I pinched some of the ideas for there and essentially used that disaster recovery plan framework with Plan Ahead Teams. And we established Plan Ahead Teams for a number of areas. So one was for retail. Um, where there's another one for leisure and hospitality, and that group is is meeting again tomorrow. There's one for public space, etc. So getting those uh, the thinking together to look at what short term measures we needed, like physical distancing and PPE, but also you know again doing what it says on the tin plan ahead so we're now planning for the next three months and the next six months and and we recognize things won't be the same as they were before so you know you need to think about that carefully and that's what we're doing right now awesome
1: that sounds brilliant And, and i did notice when i came up to the city um a week or so ago, those external stickers that, that provided a consistent message. And, and personally, as a shopper, I did feel that um, it was really a nice thing to, to see and, and to have a, a citywide. So thanks. I think it was great. Um, what has been your biggest challenge, either personally or or as bid during lockdown? Um, so yeah, either before you you return to normal um or, or or you know just kind of what What do you think is going to be a bigger challenge coming on
3: well I, th- I think the biggest challenge is for to plan for a future that we don't know what it looks like uh, there are so many variants um so you know we are thinking now about leisure and hospitality in particular because um i was driving into work this morning and i heard somebody on the radio saying that uh all indoor dining should be banned mm. uh, you know so we just not quite sure where this is going to lead us so we have to have some flexibility but we do know that um one of the things we can do and we have done is we run a couple of webinars for uh, businesses we did one in particular for the evening and nighttime economy about what they need to do as a as an industry um to to get back on their feet and how they need to cope with these different things so the um i think the, the biggest challenge is um planning ahead as far as you can but being able to respond quickly when things don't go the way you thought they would Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And I suppose, you know, it's an interesting one with the planning ahead. And, you know, you've still got a few people that maybe feel a little bit uneasy sort of coming back into the city and leaving. You know, we live in a lovely part of the world. People live down even by the beach or in the countryside. So so coming to the city may be a big step for some people. Is, Is there any advice and things like that you'd give for those people that maybe are a little bit uneasy still coming back into the city? Something that you can say to maybe put their mind at rest?
3: Well, you know, as somebody who's come back into the city for the first time for a a while, um, I'm really pleased how sensible people are being, uh, which, which, and courteous. And, um, you know, it's almost a a throwback in in some ways. Uh, But the, we, the bid also runs Visit Norwich and the destination management organization for the city so if people are unsure then go to the visit norwich website because that tells you gives you lots of help and advice says who's open what's on Um, we've created some animations to reassure people and so you know we're working with the, the the business community all the time but also trying to reassure reassure people we wouldn't encourage you to come back in if we didn't feel it was safe Amazing.
1: Excellent. Um, so you've spoken about like the the ways that you've um, helped the city kind of get back into business. Um, but is there a, a single lockdown initiative that you've seen or or um, you've heard of that has been like really outstanding? Um, in addition to you know, the, the, the stickers and things that you've put down anything that
3: you've gone, on, oh, do you know what? That's amazing. That works wonderfully. Do you know, there are so, people have been so adaptable. Um, you know, uh, I think back to February when we had the Love Light Festival and one of the things we – one of our projects there is uh, to help homeless people and so we had a collection point where people could make a donation but the donations had to be by card, you know, you tap – um and make a donation. And the number of people said, Oh, I'm not sure how to do that. And I thought, really? There are that many people in this day and age who don't know how to make a contactless payment. I bet there are not many people who don't know how to make a contactless payment now. So um, I don't I'm not sure if that that that's an upside, but um there are some great examples of Benedicts are delivering fine dining to your front door. Uh, yeah. Sir Garnet um, opened a local shop in their pub. Uh, Brick Pete Pizza partnered with St. Peter Mancroft to offer seating. And, and loads of businesses have actually gone into e-commerce for the first time out of necessity, but I think it will serve them well in the future.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. You, you touched upon e-commerce there, and that's, that's for me, is probably a, you know, one of the positives coming out of this. Um, as far as businesses are concerned, and, and Norwich in general, and the city centre specifically, what positives do you see coming out of this? Um, because, like I said, we talked about the challenges and things like that, but at the same time there is a lot of opportunity, and I just wondered from from your point of view what those opportunities look like from your, from your side.
3: Well, I think there's been a, a bit of a sea change in thinking, uh, particularly around uh, going green and sustainability, and uh, we have one – secure cycle park that the bid put into the into the city center and that's been really very well used so that's nice to see but one of our key projects at the moment is uh, a european project so we're working with uh, cities in the netherlands france and belgium and it's called upcycle your waste okay. this is a scheme whereby we're encouraging businesses in the city center to think about their waste as a resource rather than just rubbish and there are some fantastic examples we've seen. And uh, one that uh, uh, we got from the Dutch was with Abelio, which is a name we know very well here, yep. you know, a railway company. But they're actually, they're the Dutch National Railway. And what they do in Holland, they collect all their plastic bottles from trains and journeys. They go off to a company and they're upcycled and turned into belts for your trousers. And wow. then they're sold back to the railway company as part of the staff uniform, so we've got a scheme at the moment where where uh, we can go out we want to interview a hundred businesses in the greater Norwich area and then understand what their waste streams are and then this is a three year project we want to work with them to turn that waste into a resource and you know reduce their costs, but you know do our bit to save the planet.
0: Amazing, and I mean it's, to be fair, and that sounds like a brilliant uh, initiative. Is it? Is, is there anything anybody can do to sort of get in touch with you? To to um, yeah,
3: please vegetarian? do go, go to uh, the the, the um, Norwich uh, Bid website, NorwichBid.co.uk, and you'll you'll find it under there under a Voice for Business, or just search for upcycling. Get in touch with us, and uh, somebody will contact you and have that twenty minute, uh, fifteen twenty minute. Uh, discussion with you and then later in the year when things ease up we'll we want to come out and work with you and we'll do an audit of your waste that does mean somebody will be sticking your their head in your bin (laughs) (laughs) to to understand and and help you you save money and uh uh find ways to use that waste uh and turn into a resource
0: amazing well martin we we were really interrupted by the timer but um I'm very, very grateful for you coming on and talking to us. I wish you all the luck in the world with the the plan ahead, hey, upcycle your waste, um, obviously the Christmas lights, which we all very much look forward to seeing when December rolls round. Um, and like I say, it's, it's it's great to hear the people in the city centre being nice and respectful, and hopefully that will give some people some peace of mind that you know going back into the city is a safe thing to do. So yeah, thank you ever so much for joining us. Well, thank you everyone for joining us again for Meet the Swan, episode eleven. Uh, delighted that we've got this far. We will be back, hopefully, for episode twelve, uh, where we're delighted to be joined by some of the fine uh, guys from Source Code, who are a company that build bespoke apps, along among other things. So look forward to speaking to them. Uh, and on the Meet the Swan, uh, we have the wonderful Jenny Gilbert, our resident Canadian. Uh, who's also a client services enthusiast and we look forward to speaking to her next month as well. Thanks for joining us and speak to you next time.